That record you're hearing is Felix Ames, a joint called Shoestring, right here on Vocalo Radio 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Biko, alongside Nudia Hernandez. And uh, of course, I got a very special guest in the building. He himself is here, like fresh off of flight, luggage, and all. Felix Ames is <laughs> in <you>. the building. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Bags under my eyes, fresh off the plane. I still smell like an airplane. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> smell like hell. <laughs> Smelling like yeah, yeah. <laughs> fresh environment. <laughs> we just got back from Milwaukee, yeah, right? Yeah. So right up the street, not too far. Uh, what was happening? You had your listening party last night, right? Yeah. So I actually had my band out because we uh, we recorded a live session this weekend. So we did a a performance. We did eight joints off the album. Uh, oh, wow. My mom was there. My mom flew in from Phoenix because she moved to Phoenix. So my mom flew in. The homies from my childhood pulled up. I just you know it was a, it was a really wholesome moment. I was able to convey or you know express my appreciation for the city and everybody it was the homies who supported me when i first started seven years ago you know so it was it was special and now tonight we're going to la we have the release party there the album comes out at 10 p.m central i believe what's the title of the album gina who's gina yeah okay we were we were wondering about that can you speak easy on gina or it's a hard conversation yeah yeah no no so gina is actually a town in louisiana a very small uh town only comprised of plantations that my ancestors were brought to the States as slaves, like in the 1800s. So it was, a lot of the album is talking about, or not talking about directly, but you can feel my Southern roots because my grandpa migrated to Milwaukee. They got there and they didn't even know what a winter coat was, mm. you know? And so I had to really reel it in and tap into to my roots. And I had a lot of conversations with my grandpa that really informed how privileged I am to be able to travel and know the amount of people and uh, the kind of people that I do. So can you can you shed a little light on uh, at least one of the conversations you and your grandpa had that that really uh, awakened or woke you up? Yeah, I think uh, one of them was. um, So it's this one was for the imagery. So my grandpa was a kid and his grandpa lived on the land that they were sharecroppers on, too. But it was they were really close to their neighbors who had um, these dogs that were, were just kind of run around free. And my grandpa was running from the dogs one time and his grandpa pulled up on horseback, scooped them on the back and ran and ran up to the uh, neighbor's front door and said, if my grandson ever has to run from your dogs again, you won't see him again. <laughs> and it's just like that imagery of, and at a time where like black people, we didn't really have power like that. Mm-hmm. Just like, I think that's, that embodies how important it is that we embrace each other and like the family feel like my whole thing is family, you know, like my fan base. It's all like, it's all family. When they, when we pull up to shows, like we're going on tour next month, it's, it's a family feel. It's a family reunion. That's what you call real horsepower. Yeah, okay. I was gonna say. I was. I'm still imagining it. I have a very ro- romanticized vision yeah. of it in my head. I, I could give a good visualization. The Django. <laughs> you feel me? I got a tattoo actually of a black cowboy. Oh, do you really? And a horse. Yeah, that's like inspired by that story. Wow. Oh, hey, that. Don't worry, listeners. Trust me, y'all could check out the visual. You will be able to see this. <laughs> tattoo. We're gonna put this up on YouTube. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Y'all gonna be able to see the tat now. And I mean, while we looking at imagery. On your your sweater, your hoodie. Yeah, yeah. What is this logo? Cause you stamp it on everything. Yeah, that's my. It's the Felix Ames logo. It's 
it's all encompassing. You know, my merch is it's just the logo. I wanted when we were making it, I was like, I want it to feel like the Batman logo, or like mm. as iconic as the Nike logo. You don't have to see any letters associated with Nike or Batman. You just see the logo, you know what time it is. Mm. And I was like, I kind of want it to be the same thing. I want it to feel free and groovy, and that's what we aimed at. And we, you know. It does look very groovy, it by do, the way. It, it got it got dropped me. It looks like you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> it do it looks real way. Exactly. Wavy. We'll have to get you guys some merch, 100. percent Oh yeah, no, and we're gonna get a poster it. to put it in the yeah. Vocalo headquarters. You no, know, we're gonna make sure to have you in here now that you're absolutely. part of the Vocalo fam. You know, and winter is around the corner, so that's gonna come in handy. <laughs> Vico's gonna be wearing the it 24/7. Thread count is crazy. The Ooh. thread count is crazy. Nothing like a good thread. I count. would never send you off on the thread count. <laughs> But before I transition into this song that, to our to, to our knowledge, struck a lot of attention on TikTok, Shoestring. Yeah, yeah. Can you can you uh, give us a, a background behind Shoestring? Yeah, so uh, the creation of it, it was just a jam session. It was the first session I had with this guitarist, my homie Lucas, and the producer who produced the whole album, Calvin. Uh, we went in and just jammed, and that song was the quickest song we made on the album. Probably took like an hour tops, and it was just one of those things where the it was the feeling was so raw and it was we didn't care what we got out of the session but we just all showed up and it just happened so it just happened natural just it was natural and i try, everything i try to do I, I try for it to be natural so when we were making the album i wasn't on uh social media trying to push anything i was like let me just focus on this album mm, you know I, I feel like that's the best environment to keep yourself in like creatively yeah. Um, I feel like it, it helps you create more of what you're you're feeling and what you're seeing inside. Right, as opposed to reacting to judgments, it's, you know, early judgments. Like, you haven't even heard the whole project yet. You can't go off of what people think of one song, you know? Do you think social media kind of, like, saturate your creativity at times? I don't think so. I think I'm able to keep it in a good place where I'm trying to reach fans, but at the end of the day, me as a creative, I exist outside of that, too. So it's just... It's just trying to skate between the two, you know. And I love it, but I so when a song like goes viral like that because you made it, I love that you said you made it just as a jam session. So it was not the intention like this needs to be the hit, you know? Right, yeah. So when it does go viral, like how does that happen? Does it happen did it happen slowly for you or just one night you went to sleep and you woke up and 500,000 views, you know? So we finished the album and Shoestring was always the one when we played it for people, everybody was running in the room like, what is this? What is this? Mm -hmm. So I, I made a plan January 1st of 2022 and I was like, I'm going to post Shoestring every day till it goes viral. Okay. Then I'm going to put it out. Then I'm going to move on to the next joint, post it till it goes viral, put it out. And I was just like so convinced in my head and the videos weren't crazy, but I was like, the song's so good. I just mm -hmm. have to figure out how to edit this and get it to people because it's it's a crazy joint. Yeah. You're like, and once people listen, they're going to love it. Yeah, Right. And that, I think that's like, that's what has to steer your social media presence. It's like you just reaching the fans and being yourself and anything other than that, you know, you can't rush it. You can't rush it. So how long did it take to go viral? Like when it was day twenty two, I think I can I can fact check that. What? Wow! That's like he wrote it on paper. You got the time. That's pretty stamps. soon into the the waiting period. Listen, I wrote up that when I tell you I manifested this whole thing. Like I had a plan that I wrote down. I was like, I'm gonna do this. Then I'm gonna find management. Then I'm gonna do this. Then I'm gonna do this. Then I'm going on tour next fall. Boom! And like this all happened within a year. Somehow, not exactly how I wanted it to. Not exactly how I planned it, but everything that I wrote down. It's, it's never happening. exactly how you plan yeah, it. But he manifests. We need to manifest with him, Vico. We yeah. and that's, what, that's what we're going to do on break. <laughs> we're going to manifest some riches, y'all. So y'all don't go nowhere. I can find my way.
You know, the way that people describe your music, because that must be fun for you. Like, there's a way you describe it, but to hear the way that other people interpret it. Mm -hmm. I was looking on YouTube, and I have to say, if you're ever having a bad day, you need to go to your YouTube comments. I don't know if you check these out, but it's, I don't think I've seen them. It's some of the most beautiful comments I've ever. This one lady said that her two month old quiets down when she hears your songs in here. Like, it was, it's like some of the most beautiful. This is one I wanted to. Uh, to read out, though. This is uh, from Alyssa Mathis, 2741, on uh, YouTube. She says, In a generation of new things, I feel like I'm an old soul, and this completely speaks to me on levels I can't explain. It's a nostalgic feeling with such a good beat. Please continue to write and live the dream. I'll be the first at the concert, no doubt. You have a beautiful way with words. Oh, Yeah. Listen, that's what like makes it human for me, because... So much of being an artist is isolated. Like, the album was just me and my producer. We'd hang out, like, twice or three times a week and make music. And it's so insulated. And even, you know, working week to week, it's just me and my team. So it's cool. And now going on tour next month, it's cool to start looking at comments and things like that and interacting with people and really seeing that it's real people that listen to my music and that it hits for them in the way that my favorite stuff does for me. You know, it's it's a hard thing to wrap my head around, but it's... I'm just grateful, you know. Is it hard to accept like the praise? Like some of these, you're like, it's about I, my music. I just, I think for me, I know it's it's the music. There's a difference between the music and me. So it's not like it doesn't boost my ego up, but it gives me a stronger sense of purpose, you know, mm. and like that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing with my gift. So like you know, and by the way, these comments are in the under the shoestring uh, video on YouTube, the audio. But like, so for you. Who was the artist for you? Like, these people are describing you like this, but who was really your inspiration? D'Angelo was probably number one. Like, Voodoo is Voodoo and Brown Sugar, both of those albums. Mm -hmm. I'm like, like, Voodoo is my Bible. That's my, the, the heart of that. Like, if D'Angelo hadn't made Voodoo, there would be no Gina. Wow. You know, there's no way. Wow. And so, like, Mama's Gun, another one. I listen to a lot of Funkadelic. So just like there, the freedom in my music and all of everything you hear in my music, it traces back to my favorite artist's favorite artist. And there's, you know, it's lineage. What about Stevie Wonder? Stevie Wonder, best writing. Rocket Love is one of my favorites of all time. Man, to even think, I don't, I mean, Stevie Wonder, you know, he been in music for decades. And you said you started like putting things together seven years ago. So to see that even Stevie Wonder's influence is something of yours is impressive. I mean, can, is there a specific song? Well, is Stevie, I guess, is that something you heard as a at, at a young age? Yeah, I think my pops played a lot of Stevie, a lot of Michael Jackson, a lot of Motown, like Best of Motown. We listened to this, uh, actually this Chicago blues band called uh, The Mighty Blue Kings. That was, we had one CD in our, uh, in our stereo at home. <laughs> Every time we went to play music, you just hit play on that. When it ends, you hit play again. It was... I gotta put y'all on. I gotta you put y'all on. Just did. I know we live in Chicago. Come one, come there, all. Like, uh... Come one, come all. The album by the Mighty Blue Kings okay. is also like a lot of my musical DNA. That was my first exposure. That was the only thing that would uh, make me stop crying when I was a baby. Oh, was oh, that man. album? I'll start dancing a little bit, and my mom was like, "This is." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Trying to test it out. She was like, "Turn it up a little bit." Like, okay. Mm -hmm. I, I actually want to read a quote that you stated. 
You because you just named uh, D'Angelo Voodoo. You talked a little bit about Erica Badu, Mama's Gun. I believe you also uh, Stevie Wonder's Hotter Than July is also another favorite. But you said those three albums molded your music, uh, your musical ear, and helped you understand what the heart of soul music really is. Can you uh, pretty much elaborate a little more on that that quote you you left everybody? Yeah, I think the the thing about soul music is it never looks the same, mm. but it strikes a similar chord. It feel the the intensity of the feeling is the same. I think that's the through line. Like Stevie and D'Angelo are not similar at all. Those three albums are not similar at all. Yeah, but I was gonna say. the feeling, the the chest feeling you get when you listen to it is the same, and it it takes you. It takes you. And soul music's the only music for me that is fully like I'm floating. When I listen to Voodoo all the way through, I'm like eyes closed, just floating till it ends. What's one of the songs that that you made that does that for you? Really, the whole album, okay. my whole album, because anything that didn't do that for me is off the album, you know, mm-hmm. in the trash can. So okay, so how many tracks can we expect on Jenna? Twelve. Twelve tracks. Twelve. Yep. And one is. Is 7-Eleven on this, this album? Yeah, yeah, 7-Eleven is on there. 7-Eleven, there we yeah. go. And I, I brought it up because you performed in L.A. in uh, I think it's called The Basement. Yeah. And you shared how you wrote this song when you were working for Amazon. Yeah. And I feel like that'd be like the best creativity. I, I worked at UPS before and yeah. all those great stuff. <laughs> Man, <laughs> listen, it's, that time driving around, you have so much time to think. And I was like... I know for a fact I can't do this for more than six months, so I got to figure something out, and the music is it. Mm. You know, I would drive around doing these affirmations every day. I would say... You're like, because this isn't it. This I would, isn't yeah, it. I would say, I'm wealthy, I'm known, I'm successful, I'm talented. Over and over for hours. Like, wow. really, like, delusional stuff. <laughs> it worked. But, you know, just, yes. All that matters is that it worked. It worked, yeah. it worked one way or another. I mean, let's talk a little bit more about that, because think about it. You went from Amazon... So now you ink the deal with Def Jam. Yeah. Did you put two weeks notice in? <laughs> no, honestly, so the, my manager was really cool, and I was just like, listen, man, I'm not coming back next week. <laughs> I had one day, because like, I'm, I'm not built to carry things. You know what I mean? I'm a smaller guy. I'm not built to carry, yeah, you're a little carry heavy, heavy little packages. That's not, I'm not, you know, my knees were hurting. I'm like, I'm way too young for this. <laughs> So I was like, yeah, man, I'm done. I'm done here. <laughs> Appreciate you. I'm out. Hey, exactly. You giving me memories of UPS, man. I was sweating. I got veins in my neck from the I'm job saying. still. I mean, so what was the moment from working a nine to five that you realized I can now work on my dream? What was that moment? Uh, so I had some opportunities in sync licensing um, where I was making stuff for TV and film and pitching. I worked with uh, Fox a lot. And building up their library so I was able to make some money and like I saw that opportunity I could felt the opportunity before I actually made any bread but I just went in the basement started cooking up and like I had a couple homies immortal girlfriend from Milwaukee that I was making stuff with for sync and we landed a couple things and I was like oh that's yeah I'm yeah I'm gone so I've been in I've been in this year since then because I'm like okay now I'm about to go make this album like I can see the trajectory a little bit what's the difference though going from independent you know, because you've been independent, I'm going to say six years. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because technically on the seventh you signed. Mm-hmm. So going from independent to working with a label, how was that transition for you? It was good. It was a lot, I think, because uh, you have to be able to convey your vision to everybody and get everybody pushing in the same direction. So for me, I just underestimated the amount of work it would take to meet with all of the teams and make sure, you know, luckily I have great management. I have a great lawyer. I have a great team around me. Oh, wait, pause. You said great what? <laughs> lawyer. <laughs> 
that's something I feel a lot of people be missing out on. I'm sorry, you continue. You need a great lawyer. You need to make sure you trust your lawyer. Listen, I've heard of so many people, their lawyers like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll negotiate this deal. And they just have a, an incredibly high flat rate that they charge. And I'm like, that's, they shouldn't be taking that big of a cut from what you're making. But these people don't know. And if you don't have good management, you just, you have no way of knowing. So shout out to your team, man. And yeah. shout out to you even inking a deal, like from releasing music. I mean, from putting together songs for seven years and then putting out music con consistently and inking a deal that quick. Because think about it. It, it. We was talking about this earlier. It, it takes time for artists to, to ink a deal. Yeah. And you were able to, you know, surpass things and, and, and manifest what you, you know, had coming your way. So I got to give you some hand claps on that, my brother. We're going to give you some <laughs> Yeah, you know. we, have, we have a little clap sound effect, <laughs> a little audience. And so... You know, obviously you talk about Milwaukee and, you know, you just did your listening party there last night. Like you you kind of spoke about how, you know, with your success, you want to kind of lift up Milwaukee as a music community and have it garner more respect and be one of the big cities that great artists come from. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so do you still work with a lot of Milwaukee artists? Like are a lot of your friends like local artists? So I haven't lived in. I moved to L.A. about two years ago two and a half years ago mm. and i only work with one producer calvin valentine so i on the music side it, we're pretty incubated but i i'm always asking people like who who do i need to listen to who do i need to listen to send me links send me links i want to because i want to see what kind of music is coming out of milwaukee mm -hmm. and grace weber is somebody who i'm cool with that's from milwaukee i went to her release party in la so i mean i'm i'm like i'm always reaching out i'm always trying to see what's going on because i'm rarely in milwaukee but my heart's there. You feel me? Oh, I love that. No, you don't. I mean, you could still be a hometown hero and do it from L.A. I'm saying. <laughs> as long as you bring the love back. Yeah. yeah. And are you a, I mean, I was checking your gram out a little bit. And it looks like we got a lot of fashion going on. Do you consider yourself a little fashion king? You know? I would say so. I, I love, I love <laughs> the dressing. The looks are looking. The Thank looks you. are looking. Thank you. know. And that too is something that I just had to, I was like, man, I'm going to just start going to these flea markets and thrift stores and just. I'm gonna buy a bunch of stuff, try putting together fits, and figure out what I like. And that's you know same thing on the music. Stay fresh. You fresh got to. Sounds. You got to, and that changes the music you make too. Like I, if I pull up to the studio and just sweats, I'm gonna make something different than if I pull up in a fit. Yeah, that's you know? what Rick Wilson was saying when he had pulled up with Chromio, like that they come yeah. to the studio in LA in suits. And he was like, I need to step up my game. He's like, I can't just be rolling up in whatever. Yeah, I pull up my little mesh shirt and some flare pants and some boots. And you know what I mean? I just, I feel different. I love that. You look good. You dress good. You feel good. You sound good. Exactly. <laughs> and what we're going to do is actually tap into another joint off of Jenna, which is, I was talking about 7711. Um, you were very transparent in this record. Um, very open, very honest, and I'm going to play it, and then we're going to come right back and talk a little bit more about things. Absolutely. I almost took my own life, who could tell me and shit, I'm here for heaven's sake, man, look what heaven did. I need like 12 kids, cheaper by the dozen, toss them in a Chevy Nomad, they look kind of mm, like a When you're writing these songs, it's coming from a personal experience, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely. And I believe I heard you say that you almost lost your life or took your life? Yeah, yeah, so I like... I really, I sunk into a deep depression in about 2021, end of 2021, or no, end of 2020. And I was about to quit making music. I was like, I was kind of just like, now what? You know, I was at that juncture where I was like, well, I either have to decide to continue or not. 
you know what I'm saying? And so I got back on my feet. I Things started aligning for me, and I was like, and this was the first song I made off the album. It was in my mom's basement, and I was like, we're, we're going to finish this project. When I, Once I made up my mind, I was like, this is, and that song was kind of my jetpack to finish the, to make the album. Because so I'm like, I'm a living testament. I'm here. You know what I'm saying? Man. So it was, yeah. What even, if you don't mind speaking on it, what led you into the that depressional state? I think with genetics, one, uh, but two, it was just kind of like I was for years and years broke and trying to get my music off the ground and it wasn't working how I wanted it to. And that was frustrating and like nobody around me was on the same page as me and it was just like I was super isolated too. So it was, it was a bunch of contributing factors, but... You know, my mom took me in. I was in the basement. I had some time to lick my wounds and figure it out. And look where you at now. Here we are. Here we are, man. Shout out to OG. I swear, my mom's is my lifesaver as well. So she I got can, me no matter what. Man, shout out to OG for getting you out that slump because I feel like we probably wouldn't be sitting here right now, man. Absolutely not. Yeah. So salute to you um, for for coming up out of things and, and making some of the best music ever, man. Because it's therapeutic, not just for you, but for us. Yeah, listeners. So you know, you never know who you're touching and who's also in the state that you were in. So yeah, you got to turn pain into something. Exactly. Otherwise, it has no value. Now, Jenna is is coming out tonight. Uh, it's your debut album. Um, with this project coming out, like, how long has this? Pro- how long have you been working on things first and foremost? So it was in stages for me. So the album. Took probably two years. We made like fifty songs for it or something like that, and you know we because we were we sat with it. We we went through iterations after iteration of the album, and we kept trimming it down. We'd go back in with a different angle, and so the album was done probably late last year or so, and then we sat down and I was like, oh, how do I how do we build this world out? Because that takes time to really like down to the merch, the logo, the cover art, the story, the videos, all of it. So. I've just, I was just kind of sitting in my brain. I'm also really into uh, interior design, so that's something I, I'm just kind of I'm trying to build the world out and uh, basically set myself up to launch my uh, home goods company. I see you said interior <laughs> design. Look, I ain't got a home yet. You come to my apartment and make it work out. Listen, for I got me, an know. apartment too, and it's guess what? It's fit exactly for how I live in it. Ooh, <laughs> that's the goal. I mean, what did the interior design before we tie back into things? How, what even led you was it HGTV? What's up, man? I, I <laughs> it's always, the style though, right? He's I, got yeah, the style everywhere. It's just it's more know? so. I want to curate my life mm. and curate other people's lives. Like with the music, it's like the soundtrack to people's lives. But then, what does it look like to have a uh? bedside table that I designed and you know what I mean slippers that I designed a robe then you got a mug set you go down to and you know convene with your family at the end of the day it's just there's so much to do there and it doesn't have to cost a million dollars to curate your life man I mean speaking of life how has uh putting Jenna together how has that like changed your life like what's some things that you know you do different now like how has it shaped and mold you as a person man I, I say this all the time like the album isn't out yet, but it's our it's already it's already one for me, you know. Mm-hmm. That it took me from here to here as a person. I was able to I worked through so much, so much that I've dealt with in my life and my family has dealt with in my life, and I'm able to stand on it. And it kinda happened right alongside all the work I was doing in therapy and I was trying to set myself up to be a stable, you know, joyful person. But you have to go through so much, and there's oh, and now it's just a new layer, and there's always like underlying there's struggle 
but at the end of the day, like we got to keep going. And I think soul music gives people hope, and making the album gave me hope. Gives you soul. There it is, man. Gives you soul. And not only that, you're going on tour. I'm going on tour. Speak yes. easy tour. And if I'm not mistaken, your Paris, France, your, your France uh, is already sold out. Yeah, yeah. Have Congratulations. You I know. Like, yeah, Thank let me, you. Hold on, because that, that's let different. Let me get the applause ready. <laughs> have you even been, like, have you been there I before? I went to Paris once when I was a kid, but I didn't. I just wanted to kick it with my friends. I didn't really, you know, I was. I didn't want to go to museums <laughs> when I was that young. So I'm excited to go back and really... Explore, experience, explore. experience it I as love adults. traveling. I love traveling and just and trying new foods and paces of life. So I'm excited to go and kind of just sink into it and then also see how the music translates over there because so that's the thing about soul music too is it's unmis- the feelings unmistakable. So I'm excited to bring it to people in Paris and they don't even some of them might not even speak English but they'll they'll feel that soul music. They sure mm-hmm. will every time. Hey, that's that's interesting to go on tour and have a sold out show all the way in another space area that's not even the United States, a whole other continent. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's 400 people sold out the first day it went up and it's, you know, it's a great bill and I'm excited, man. You put, I go crazy for a crowd of five, so that's 400, I'm going nutty. Is there any uh, any uh, other, you know, shows you're, you're excited for uh, while being on this tour? Yeah, I'm really excited for New York. The venue's beautiful. It's at the Sun Rose. Um, and then London as well. I'm really excited for. With touring, um, got to ask you too, like, what, is there any challenges you face going on tour? Like, things that drain you? Uh, you know, you fresh in you fresh in the studio with two luggages. Yeah. <laughs> Three. I had to Four. <laughs> so, like, you know, what, what's some of the challenges you face while on, on tour? Yeah, I think... It's just you got to have a regimen. I got to have my regimen. I got to make sure I'm eating enough, drinking enough water, sleeping enough. Then outside of that, just give myself space and time to relax, you know, and recalibrate. But the main struggle for me is laundry and making sure I have my fits together because my clothes get wrinkly. I don't like to iron clothes. So that's that's a, we'll figure that out. Steamer. I'm yeah, we need to get a steamer somewhere in here. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to bring the steamer. I'm I'm new to the steamer, but, but we're, we gonna get it. We're so excited to see what's to come from you. You know, hopefully soon you could you could be back in the shy, maybe with a show or something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Next year, 100. <laughs> percent Let let everyone know where they can find you, where they can find all the tour dates, the music that's dropping tonight. Yep. So my Instagram is Felix Ames. Everything on Apple, Spotify, every streaming platform. Felix Ames, A M E S. It doesn't matter where I go It doesn't matter what I do All I know is